With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment. If I could make just one request of the tennis gods for the remainder of the 2021 Indian Wells, it would simply be this. No more wind, please. As the conditions really did dictate so much of the action we saw unfold down the home stretch of Monday's matches at Indian Wells, as such, was a funky day for our GSP Ace of the Day selections. Now, the day did start off well, albeit with plenty of drama. Shout out to you, Kasparud. Saves, I believe, eight, nine break points in his 6-7, 6-4, 6-4 victory over Lloyd Harris. That three games helping us cover the two-and-a-half game spread we took him on yesterday. Of course, it was a different brand of drama for Diego Schwartzman. He takes a 5-2 first set lead against Dan Evans, sees that first set lead evaporate. He drops the first, is down a break for the majority of the second, but ultimately bagels Dan Evans in the third set. As such, he also covers that two and a half game spread now unfortunately as the day got on things got windier and as such a little bit more turbulent for our ace of the day selections unfortunately Riley Opelka comes up short straight set loss for him against Grigor Dimitrov ditto for Danielle Collins against Own Shabur Shabur just much more comfortable handling the conditions handling the win she advances in straight sets as well Bianca Andreescu raced out to a two love lead forced a first set breaker against Annette Conteve but ultimately it was Conteve 7-6-6-3. She advances in straight sets so that over two and a half sets falls a little bit short. And of course, subsequently, we took an Andrescu Tiafo underdog long shot parlay. Neither of them able to get over the finish line in the end. Now, am I looking for a bit of a cop out here by blaming the win, by blaming the conditions? Of course, but with that in mind, that's something we absolutely need to factor in moving forward. I need to be more diligent about checking the weather reports because it makes sense when you look at yesterday's results that someone as solid as a Conteve, someone with as many options from the ground as an own Jabour, someone you know so relentlessly moving forward, so consistent in their game plans as Hubi Hercots, managed to have success given the conditions we saw on the grounds yesterday. And again, that's just something to keep in mind as we move forward through the draw, but you look overall two and four down 0.68 units for our day five selections. That leaves us at 15, 16, and two down 0.68 units overall for the event. You want to break it down by category one in five with our money line selections. I got to do a better job of picking winners for you folks. We're down 1.5 units overall in that category. Now, We're winning in our other two categories, which always feels like a victory. You look at the spreads, the over-unders, we're 11 and 8 combined, up 0.24 units. You look at our parlays, 3 and 3 overall, up 0.58 units. 
we feel like we found our rhythm here as we head down the home stretch of this 1000 level event of course it's only going to get more difficult to pick winners as we carry on we have the round of 16 beginning here on Tuesday for the women back half of the round of 32 for the men of course the story on the men's side only five seeds upset through the second round of this Indian Wells that's a record since the tournament expanded to the 32 seed format back in 2004 as such battles on our hands up and down the board of course on today's show what i want to do as i do each and every day offer my picks offer my predictions for day six action at indian wells i'll run through my favorite money lines my favorite underdogs the over-unders the parlays the spreads you name it we're going to be talking about it here on today's show of course quick reminder before we do you're looking for daily recaps of all of the action you can find them each and every day on our mini break podcast feed. You can find all of that content on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, for our Patreon family, they are privy to a match of the day segment as well, where I break down the match I'm watching most closely on any given day in the tennis world. It was yesterday, it was that thrilling three set conclusion to the day between Cam Nori and Roberto Bautista Agut. Plenty of good matches to choose from as we continue through this tournament as well. So if you're looking for some bonus content or you'd just like to support what we're doing here at Cracked Rackets, you can join our Patreon family by heading to our website, CrackedRackets.com. But with that in mind, you came here to hear my selections for day six. So let's get to it. Here are my picks for Tuesday, October 12th at Indian Wells, my GSP Aces of the Day. Let's start, of course, by just looking across the board. And as I mentioned a bit earlier, you've got round of 16 matches kicking off for the women. Back half of the round of 32 for the men. I mean, good luck finding a money line you're particularly comfortable with today. You look up and down the board. Iga Svantec minus 360 against Ostapenko, plus 270. Of course, if you're back in underdogs, money line's the way to go because you do have some lopsided spreads. But, you know, Azarenka, minus 330 over Sasnovich, who's at plus 250. If you are confident in Svantec or Azarenka winning, you'll probably want to do one of two things. You'll either want to bet them on the spread, although you're probably only going to get minus four and a half games at like minus 150. That's not the best value for Sviantec or Azarenka. And of course, all it takes is one narrow set to really make you sweat out those game spreads. So I would say if you're into Sviantec, if you're into Azarenka on the money line, you probably throw them into a parlay. Hint, hint. Guess what's coming a little bit later. But again, those are your two lopsided favorites. You look at the more narrow spreads. Jess Pagula taking on Alina Svitolina. Pagula beats Svitolina in three sets back at the Australian Open. Svitolina, I believe, beat Pagula, though, in straight sets in Abu Dhabi at the start of the season. That's the two matches they've played, of course. Both of these players in the throes of the race to the year-end finals in Guadalajara. You look at the standings right now. If you remove uh, Osaka and and Ashley Barty, as so many are apt to do. Svitolina currently in eighth in those standings. You look for Jessica Pagula. She's currently 11th, and she trails Alina Svitolina by fewer than 100 poke points, folks. She wins this match against Svitolina. She'll trail by exactly one point in the race to the year-end finals. 
it's a critical battle. Of course, for Svitolina, she gets this victory. She opens up a nice little gap now between herself and Pegula. And if Conteve loses or, uh, later today or, you know, Kerber, Bedosa, Fernandez, some of the players in the mix for those final two spots at the year-end finals, if Svitolina can get this win and have a few things break her way all of a sudden, she is now in, I don't want to say a commanding position because we still have Linz on the board and there's still a couple ways for these players to get points, but she feels a lot better about herself uh, and her chances to qualify for those year-end finals if she knocks off Pagula. Did, again, flip side, Pagula now trails Svitolina by one point if she beats her today. That match is a stay away for me. If anything, I'm kind of leaning towards the over two and a half sets in that one, which you look at the odds. You do get value if you want to take the over two and a half sets. You'd get it at plus 135. But, you know, uh, Pegula, you can understand why she's the slight favorite. She's been so excellent in hard court matches all season long. And you look for Jessica Pegula overall on the year. Again, she just, you know, finds her ways into quarterfinals, round of 16s of all of these major hard court events. She's 38 and 18 in her last 50. 52 weeks, 28 and 11 on hard court. She's winning 72% of her matches. And again, quarterfinals in Australia, semifinals in Doha, quarterfinals in Dubai, semifinals in Montreal, round of 16 in Miami, round of 32 at the U.S. Open, round of 16 in Cincinnati, you know, round of 16 here at Indian Wells. You look for Jessica Pagula. Again, I mentioned that overall record on hard court, 28 and 11. Eight of those 11 losses have come against players in the top 20. You have to be that good to beat her. Now, again, Svitolina did beat her earlier this season in Abu Dhabi, but Pagula returned the favor in Australia. This match is a pick to me. I want no part of it. You look at the tennis abstract formula right now. Actually, it's Svitolina, 56.4%. Pagula, 43.6%. As mentioned on DraftKings, Pagula, a minus 120 favor to Svitolina's plus 100. No thank you. I don't want any part of that. Layla Fernandez versus Shelby Rogers is interesting. Fernandez favorite sixty five point two percent. Rogers thirty four point eight. Of course, if Fernandez can handle the first strike heavy ball of Anastasia Pavlchenkova as she did last round, you feel like she might be ready for the Rogers battle as well. At the same time just scares me to bet Layla Fernandez. She's played so many three-set matches of late, and they've all gone her way, but what happens if it doesn't? And, you know, again, Shelby with her serve, with her forehand, with the extra time she's afforded on this surface, I could see that match going three sets, and you look at the over two and a half sets, it's also plus 135. You look, you know, game spread-wise, not the best value. You can get, you know, Fernandez at minus two and a half, minus three and a half, but you do the minus two and a half, and she's like minus 200. You do the minus three and a half, she's minus 125. Good, not great value. I just... I don't want to deal with any of those today, so I'm going to stay away from the women's picks. Now, of course, for the men, it's the round of 32. As such, you've got eight matches to choose from. A couple of lopsided favorites, Zverev over Murray. We don't touch Zverev in particular. We're never betting against Andy Murray. Tsitsipas, Fonini. Tsitsipas, minus 900. It's a lopsided game spread. If you want Tsitsipas at minus Four and a half games. It's minus 170. Of course, that would be what? A four and three win, and he covers there. That's possible, certainly. Minus five and a half games is where you really get value, plus 135. But on a slow, hard court, heavy top spin, Fonini's not going to have to do anything to keep his ball in. He can literally slap down on it because Tsitsipas will be providing all that ammunition for him. Now, of course, I lean Tsitsipas, but four and a half games is a lot of games, and at minus 170, that value is just kind of poo poo. So, no thank you to the Tsitsipas spread. No thank you to the Zverev spread. I just, 
I, I have a rule. You know, I don't want to bet on Gael Monfils, particularly when he's playing big serving Kevin Anderson on this surface. And I know Monfils has been better of late, but again, I just I don't want any part of that match. Garin versus Demonauer is fascinating because Christian Garin was an underdog against Ernesto Escobedo, beats him in straights. Alex Demonauer, I believe, has lost seven of his last nine matches, and you know, yet he's still the favorite, minus one fifty-five over Garin, who doesn't have a big track record of hard court success, but the slow, high bouncing Indian Wells that's essentially playing like a clay court. Green has all the time in the world to find his forehand. His movement is amplified that much more. If I'm going to pick on this match, I'm going to pick uh, Christian Green. Of course, over two and a half sets is plus 135. But again, if I'm going to make a pick here, I'd go Green plus 125 in general. Stay away. No thank you. The speed of Demon Hour on this court. How the hell are you going to hit a winner on Alex Demon Hour when a surface is playing this slow and it's a hard court where he just moves that much more fluidly in and out of corners? I could see this match being three hours. If it gets windy, it's particularly ugly. Just no thank you. That match could go a million different ways. Too highly volatile. I don't want any part of it. Ditto for Ramos Vanola's Basilishvili, just a slow, hardcore Basilishvili's got all the time in the world to get into his massive backswings and just rip freely at the same time his movement's not as compromised as it would be on a clay court. You can understand why he's had success here. You know, at the same time, Albert Ramos Vanola's, this is probably his best hardcore Masters event. And I, everything I said about the slow, hardcore benefiting Christian Green, you could apply to the lefty Ramos Vanola's as well. And so, again, I feel no shame staying away from Ramos Vanola's Basilishvili. It's just, ugh, like, ugh, no thank you. I, I'm not in on that match. But there are two men's matches that fascinate me. One of them on the money line, the other on the spread. Let's get into those now, and let's start with the money line I'm in favor of. And I know, one in five in money lines, down 1.5 units overall. Alex, do you really want to go down this pathway again? Alex, are you really going to go down this money line pathway while also simultaneously violating your Karen Hatchinov rule? That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to violate the Hatchinov rule. We're going to take Hatchinov today plus 100 over Kareno Busta. Here's why. You look for Karen Hatchinov in his career against Kareno Busta. It is worth noting 3-3 three and three overall for the Russian. In particular, he's won three of the last four. You look at their matchups overall. He's I believe 3-1 and one in the four times they've played on hard court. 0-2 oh the two times they've played on clay. Of course, Hatchinov beat Kareno Busta at the Olympics this year. It was a 6-3, 6-3 victory for Hatchinov in Tokyo. He also beat him in Cincinnati last year. It was a 7-6-6-1 win. Beat him in Canada back in 2018. You look for Kareno Busta. His only win over Hatchinov on a hard court came in Canada in three sets back in 2017, of course. That was when uh, Karen Hatchinoff was t- still just 21 years old, obviously. Quite a bit has changed since then. Now, you look for Karen Hatchinoff. It hasn't been the most outstanding season overall on the year. It's been, you know, up and down, 30-20 and 20 for him. Now, of late, he has played significantly better. Quarterfinals of Wimbledon, finals of the Olympics, round of 16 in Canada. Three-set loss for him to Felix in Cincinnati. Five-set loss for him first round at the U.S. Open to eventually 
eventual quarterfinalist and a guy who obviously has stepped up his level here this season in Lloyd Harris. I don't think that's a, certainly as bad of a loss as the context of, well, he lost first round. Yeah, but he, you know, that's a pretty tough first round draw for Hatchinov, even if you'd love to have seen him get through that. Now, you know, wasn't a great result for him at the Moselle Open, loses to Goyovchek, who has played certainly well of late, but I thought it was a really impressive 6-2-7-5 for him over Rusevori in his first match here at Indian Wells. And you look for Karen Hachanov over his career on, on this surface in particular. I don't want to say he's been outlandishly successful, but of course he's coming off of a quarterfinal appearance in 2019. A quarterfinal appearance, by the way, where he should have beaten Rafael Nadal. And some of you may not remember that match. Why would you? It's a 2019 Indian Wells quarterfinal and the big picture didn't mean much. But for Karen Hachanov who was winning the majority of that first set. And just, you know, if you were watching that match midway through the second set, that first set was so physical, and Hatchinov had his opportunities to close out the mat, uh, set. I think he even served for it before Rafa got the break back. It was just a super exciting, super physical match, and he matched the physicality of Rafa, which was, was so impressive. And, you know, midway through the second set, Rafa begins to start cramping, and just physically he's ailing, and the match is on Hatchinov's racket, and yet... Hatchinov blew it. He wasn't able to close Rafa out. He started getting too tentative. He provided Rafa easy opportunities to just attack from the center of the court, which is, of course, when you're cramping is all you want to do. And Rafa succeeded at doing it. It ends up closing out the match 6-6 six and six in two tiebreak sets. And it felt like from there, Hatchinov began to spiral a little bit down during that 2019 season. You look for him, you know, overall that year after that Indian Wells. He does make quarterfinals at Roland Garros and semifinals in Canada but you know he began to struggle with it it just it felt like that moment again that just felt like an inflection point sort of moment for him where he couldn't get over the hump in a match that felt you know very very winnable for him and you look for Karen Hatchinov it's been a tr- tough 2015 2016 uh 2020 uh, 2015 excuse me 2020 2021 stretch for him he was 20 and 15 in 2020 you look for him again 30 and 20 here this season you look for him in terms of quarterfinals he's made overall on the year in the 20 events he's played he's made six different quarterfinals uh no titles for him this season but of course did win that silver medal uh over at the olympics it's been a good not great year for Karen Hatchinov, and you look at the numbers for him overall by percentage, he's holding serve 82.8% of the time. That is slightly above his career average. He's breaking serve 20.7% of the time. That's slightly below his career average. He's been about, you know, again, that's, I think, been the concerning thing is he hasn't taken that big jump forward. Yes, the physicality is still there. The forehand, the serve is still there. And you look for Karen Hatchinov. He's a top uh, 15 hold percentage player right now amongst top 50 players on the ATP Tour. But, you know, as proficient as he is off both wings with the length he has, the strength he has, you would hope for a little bit more dynamic from the baseline, a little bit, you know, again, the off-speed stuff, the fluidity in the outer thirds. It just, it's not quite at the elite level that it feels like you need to be to be a consistent top 10 guy. And yet, on this surface, when he has that much more time to get in and out of corners, that much more time to, you know, load on his forehand wing because it is still a big forehand backswing. He's got all the time in the world to load on it and get after it. I really like this surface for Karen Hatchinov. And again, Karino Busta has been excellent this year. Let's be clear. There's a reason Karino Busta is the favorite. He's 36 and 16 overall entering this event. He's holding serve 83.5% of the time. 
that would be a career high for him. He's breaking serve 23.6% of the time, less than a percent below his career average. He is still closer, if not in the prime of his career, uh, than he is to being out of that prime. And of course, you look for Carreno Busta here this season. He's made three different finals, won the title at two different events. He's been excellent here on the year, and there's a reason why he is, again, the minus 120 favorite. There's the reason why you look at Tennis Abstract's formula, their singles forecast for this match. They have Carreno Busta as the 61.1% uh, favorite, but I'm just telling you, Hatchinov on this surface, in this moment, mucky conditions, this opponent who he's had success against on hard courts before, give me Karen Hatchinov. We get him at plus 100. That just feels like value. Again, it's... It, uh, I, I feel good. I feel good about this one. I know I've said that about the other money lines. I just think from a tactical standpoint... You know, the biggest weapons on the court belong to Karen Hatchinov on this day. And yes, Karina Busta is the more consistent. But given how slow this surface is playing, A, who's going to be able to create more free points for themselves? I think it's Hatchinov. I think his serve, I think his forehand is the are the two biggest weapons that serve plus one combo is the biggest weapon on the court. B... Again, from a physicality standpoint, which is what Karino Busta does best, I think Hatchinov can match him, particularly on this surface as well. And just, you know, again, I don't know what Karino Busta is going to do to hurt Karen Hatchinov. Now, Karen Hatchinov is more than capable of hurting himself with bouts of inconsistency. The forehand starts spraying on him. He starts trying to swing through all of his problems by blasting forehands by Karino Busta. If he's not patient, if he's not willing to suffer, of course Karino Busta will get him because the standard. Uh, you know, in terms of a floor, Karino Busta's floor is just about as high as any player match in, match out on the ATP Tour. But here's to betting on Hatchinoff to find closer to his ceiling in today's performance. Again, I think he played good, not great against Emil Rusevori, but started to play better throughout that match and got tested in the second set, was able to overcome an early break deficit, close out the match in straight sets. You love that from a confidence standpoint. Give me Hatchinoff. Half a unit on this, plus 100 to win half a unit in return. That is ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two, a spread, of course, where we've had our most success here throughout the course of this Indian Wells. Give me Berrettini minus two and a half games over Taylor Fritz. Now, Taylor Fritz was excellent in his victory over Brandon Nakashima in the round of 64. Straight set win for him, and you can understand a slow hard court. He's got that much more time to get into his ground strokes, that much more time to minimize, or that conditions that perfectly minimize his biggest weakness, which of course is his movement, his fluidity out of the corners, and then his ability to hit a kick serve on this high bouncing surface. Good luck making that return back in play. But you know what it helps? To be six foot six when you're facing a kick serve like that. To also be able to still possess weapons that regardless of the surface is going to make any opponent uncomfortable. You're going to have the ability to blast through anyone. It also helps to be extraordinarily confident. And each of those characteristics are part of the characteristics Matteo are, are some of the characteristics Matteo Berrettini brings into this matchup with Fritz. You look for Berrettini overall on the season. I mean, he's been spectacularly amazing. You look for him overall on the year now. I believe he's at 38 and 9, yeah, here on the season. And by the way, here are his nine losses. Djokovic, Felix, Djokovic, Djokovic, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, then Davidovich, Fokina, and Monte Carlo, Bublik, and Antalya to start the season. Does Taylor Fritz fit the model? Maybe the Bublik model uh, of these matchups, but 
Go watch, if you haven't, the Berrettini highlights against Alejandro Tabilo in his first round. How hard Matteo Berrettini was hitting his freaking forehand because he has all of the time in the world to load on it. And, of course, his serve, his kick serve will continue to be amplified by the surface. The pace that he can hit with his serve and his ability to just find plus one forehands in general, the slowing of the surface that gives him that much more time to run around and hit his forehand return I think Berrettini's got the ability to dominate here at Indian Wells. I think both of the Itali- all three Italians, if you want to throw Fodini in here, but both of the young Italians, Berrettini, Sinner, have looked excellent uh, thus far. I guess they've only played one match each, but I just, again, I think Berrettini's got the sort of weapons that always give Taylor Fritz trouble. He's going to match him shot for shot with the serve, and he's going to be able to hold serve, keep pace. He's going to keep Fritz under so much pressure as well. Now, again, the bigger you strike the ball— the more opportunity that provides Taylor Fritz because certainly the harder you hit, the better he will hit that ball back at you in terms of his contact point, uh, how smooth his game is off of both wings. You know, that has never been the issue. Fluidity has never been the issue for Fritz. Speed has been the issue, but never his fluidness in terms of striking the ball. But I just think Berrettini's got the weapons, to again, that Taylor Fritz has always struggled with. Now, late odds have pushed this from minus 340 to minus 250. So late money's coming in towards Fritz. That is interesting, but it also provided us an opportunity. Berrettini minus two and a half games goes from minus 200 to minus 150. I mean, again, He's just got to get a break of. He's got to win one of the sets by a break of serve, even if it's a four and six result. He covers there. You always sweat at two and a half games, but I just think Berrettini wins this match, and I think it's going to be more comfortably than seven six seven six. Again, you've had to be so good to beat Berrettini this year. I'm not saying Kayla Fritz isn't exceptional. I just don't think he has the goods for long enough. I don't think he's got the athleticism. He's certainly got the weapons, but I just don't think he's going to be able to keep pace with Berrettini over the course of two hours. So give me Berrettini minus two and a half games minus 150 full unit wager on that to win 0.66 that's ace of the day number two it's only a three ace day for all of you listeners let's go next of course couldn't end without a parlay the aforementioned Sviantec and Vika look these conditions with how close they are to playing clay courts do we forget how freaking good Iga Shiantek is on a slow court. You just give her all the time in the world. Her athleticism shines through. She's able to take clean rips from just extraordinary positions behind the baseline. And her strength, her, you know, again, her shot placement, just her kicks are, these courts are perfect for Iga. And so, look, I will say, I think the biggest thing stopping us between a Krejcikova Sviantek final that it just feels like we're destined for on the women's side is this Sviantek matchup with Yelena Ostapenko because Ostapenko says, I don't care what you're doing. I'm swinging big. I'm playing on my terms. Congrats, Iga. You won a French Open. You know what I did? I also won a French Open as a teenager. Oh, congrats, Iga. You hit the ball big. You know what I do? I also hit the ball big. And so it is a fascinating matchup. And Ostapenko's got the weapons, but more importantly, the carefree attitude to pull off an upset like this. But man, I just, I love Iga in these conditions. And she's looked excellent through her first two victories. Give me Iga minus 400. Give me Vika minus 330 over Sasnovich. Now Sasnovich has been excellent against Raducanu, against Halep, straight set victories in both of those matches. And, you know, these slow conditions give her that much more time to get into her plays, to take the ball early. But did you watch Vika 
the decisiveness with it, which she played and just the power tennis she's able to produce. And obviously these conditions have always been beneficial for Vika. She's a two-time champion at this event. I believe your only remaining champion in the draw, and I don't believe that's a fact. She's your only remaining singles champion in the draw as Halep, Kleisters, and Durescu have all been knocked out. Give me Vika to end the streak, minus 330 over Sasnovich. And then usually I try to avoid doubling up, but to juice the odds that much more, we'll throw Berrettini over Fritz just on the money line to get the job done. Sviantek, Vika, Berrettini, three-person money line parlay, plus 129. We'll take it half a unit to win .55. Those are your aces of the day. Again, to recap, Hashinov, plus 100 over Carreno Busta money line, half a unit to win .5. We're going to reverse our money line trends here today. I'll also take Berrettini, minus two and a half games over Fritz, minus 150, a full unit to win .66. Then Sviantek, Vika. Berrettini, plus 129, half a unit to win uh, 0.55. Those are your picks for our GSP aces of the day. Of course, recaps each and every day on the Mini Break Podcast feed. Match of the day segments for our Patreon family as well. All of that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out as always to the super producers, Max Fleener and Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Again, your picks on the day. Hatchinoff plus 100, Berrettini minus two and a half games, and a Sviantek Vika Berrettini money line parlay. With that said, for our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 